In this episode, we go over how to conduct a ritual and how to lead a women's circle. We break down how Jamie and I have done these things and also break down some of the incorrect myths, especially around rituals. Hi, I'm Heather Wood, and I'm an intuition and ego expert. And I'm Jamie Hayhurst, and I'm an energy healer. We're both passionate about smashing the patriarchy, integrity in the spiritual world, and social justice. This is the Intuitive Girl's Guide. Hey, Jay, I have a cool topic for us to talk about. Yeah, this is going to be like a class. Yeah, and the, the cool thing about this is that this is something that somebody wrote in and asked us to explain. And it was a little while ago. And then a few more people asked about it. So I was like, I think we should totally do a whole episode where we help people understand how to do any kind of a ritual and how to conduct like a women's circle, whether it's like a full moon circle or otherwise. Well, and what's really cool about that is that that is like a woman's circle is really sort of the origin of the IgG. It really is. Like that's how we started was doing a full moon women's circle in our local area. And mm-hmm. we got such great feedback from people like talking about how much they liked hearing us talk. the <laughs> <laughs> circle that we yeah. started. With. We stopped doing them because of COVID. Yes, we did. Um, but up until then, we were running them, I mean, basically monthly because yep. that's when it was a full moon. And not only did a lot of people love it and love hearing us talk about it and, and attending them, but we got a lot of feedback from people that they liked the way we did it. Yep. So this is an episode that tells you that and also tells you how to do a ritual of any kind because... You have heard Jamie and I say so many times on this podcast that we hate that whole like gatekeepery thing in the intuitive world of like, you need to know more, you're not doing it right. Or if you don't have, you know, this huge altar with 17 high priestess cards on it, that you're not allowed to do this stuff. And I hate that. It's not that complicated and you don't need to have any special anything to do any of it. Correct. And what I will say is where you have to follow the rules of something is if you are if you are a part of, if you are a Wiccan, if you follow Wicca and you practice that, that's a formal religion right. or a formal practice. So there are, you know, formalities to that. You need to be doing those rituals in those ways because, you know, it's it's they're very particular about that. But we're talking about what we do, which is doing intuitive work and using our intuition to do rituals or circles in ways that intuitively feel right for us. Yes. And we are not representing any religion no, or any specific culture, but we are always doing our best to be respectful of all culture. Always. Always. Yeah. So we're not, you're not going to hear us talking about using like indigenous works or practices or rituals because those aren't ours. Those are closed to indigenous tribes. Exactly right. And nor are we saying we are doing just this culture's anything. As you know, if you've listened to any other episode, we go back into pagan times because that was sort of transcended that separation. Like it was kind of across the board how humans existed. Right. So that's what we're talking about. We're using those kinds of ideals here. Yep. 
I thought we'd start with a ritual and then we'd move on to sort of the circle idea. How does that sound? Yep. I used to feel like when someone said that they were going to do a ritual or to do a certain, I'm going to do a a manifesting ritual or a full moon ritual or, or whatever, I would picture this very complicated, long, couple hours long, dark room, candles lit, lots of prep work kind of thing. We had to wear like a flowy dress. Right. Okay. Not true. No. Right. And that's incredible. And it's powerful and probably very transformative. And I think that you can absolutely do that. But I don't think that this society lends itself to having that much time to do stuff like that. And so it feels like you, like you're quote unquote, not doing it right. And then you've lost all intuition. Exactly. So if Susan down the street does her rituals with 87 candles in a flowy dress and you hear her howling outside and it takes her four hours and it looks like, you know, it's very Instagram worthy or whatever. That's awesome for Susan. If that's what makes Susan feel happy and connected to herself and to her intuition, then high five Susan. But if you are more like Jamie and I, and it's done in less than five minutes, usually wearing sweatpants, also fine. Exactly. I mean, it's not a performance. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's you tapping into your own intuition. It's you tapping into the energies of this universe. So there's no dress code for that. Exactly. We hear ritual and we have this other connotation to it. And I think it's a weird mixture of like religious ritual and then this like sort of movie version of what witches do for rituals. Right. And, and I think that there's something to be said for, I think that when you're doing a more of a formal ritual, I think the energy behind that is that it creates more intention, right? Mm-hmm. You're being really purposeful. Mm-hmm. If you're dressing a certain way or you're using a certain color candle or you're doing, you know, a five, 10, 15 step ritual to something, it's not actually that like, if you screw up a step, it's not going to work. It's that all of that leading up to it creates the energy of intention. It, it, it builds the energy of what you're looking to, to make happen. Yeah. It's like an amplifier. Yes. So awesome. And like, I also want to say that some of the rituals I do, I spend more time on and mm-hmm. some of them are in the two second walk from my house to my car. (laughs) Right. Or as I'm falling asleep at night, like, and everything in between what rituals are really designed to do is to put you into a certain state. Yes. Yeah. I think we might have to do an episode on state sometime. I mean, I've talked a little bit about it, you know, I'm obsessed with it, but what I, when I'm saying state, I mean, energetic state, right. Or to a certain frequency. Exactly. All, all meaning the same thing where you are connecting with the thing that you are either calling in or releasing rituals are used for both. Also maybe adding in that you can, if you haven't go back and listen to our Claire's episode, because I really feel like whatever your predominant Claire is, which is how you perceive energy is going to inform how you practice a ritual or, or do a ritual is it's going to be informed by your Claire. Yes. And that's a fantastic point. If you are clairvoyant like me, you are going to probably prefer 
some sort of visual element to your ritual. So you may, um, you know, for me, I always do it in the same spot and it's like, there's lights around it and it's a certain chair. And a lot of times I'll put, I'll light a candle, not necessarily for the aesthetic, but because I can focus my eyes on the candle. So I'm like Mm. focused on the visual in that sense. Right. Right. But somebody who is more claircognizant, like my top two are like clairvoyance and claircognizance supports that. Jamie's is the reverse. So it's claircognizance supported by clairvoyance. Right. So Jamie's is going to be almost like it. I think the ritual calls you in more than you are going to prep for the ritual. Correct. I, I would use a candle or music or something to sort of set the scene, but the rest of it is happening in my head. Exactly. It's, it's sort of like the intention kind of took, like but the intention lined up with the ritual sort of starting to happen in your, in your energy field anyways. Right. So I, I'm thinking about it because I'm claircognizant. So I'm thinking it, I'm moving the energy in my head, like with my thoughts, directing it with my thoughts. Exactly. And then if you're a clear audience, you know, there might be a certain music or chanting happening that might help more. And and even if those aren't your top, like there are some times when I'm like, I need the drums to play. Like, and I'm not super clear audience, you know, that's a weaker one for me, but that's just what I'm being called to. And so it can be different, but to Jamie's point, it's going to be different for everyone. And it's also going to be different based on what you need. Right. Yep. If I'm doing some sort of ritual about something that I have been thinking about and dealing with and mulling over and calling in and all of this for like weeks, it's going to be short. But if I've had this like big epiphany, mm-hmm. I'm, it's going to need more space and time and energy because I need to shift into it. Agreed. So it, it really just depends. What would you say are the things that you mostly use a ritual for like to do? I would just use the word change. Change. Okay. So if I'm going about my life and I need, I want to manifest something new in, or there's a situation going on that's bothering me that I I need to like see differently, or I need to really get clarity on my intuition around, I am going to do a ritual for that. If I need to release something, which honestly for me is the most popular reason why I would do a ritual, I need to get rid of something I don't, I have this thing where I don't naturally just let go of stuff easily <laughs> like to hold on to it and, cl- and just like clench until the like rope is like burned my hands. Same. So for me, it's not as easy for me to release. So I would create a ritual around releasing more than anything. And that could be feelings. That could be a situation that has power over me. That could be a perspective. I have done rituals over you know, we talked about in an, a previous episode about Maybon and like dealing with Thanksgiving and the awfulness that that was and having to like release your old mindset around it, what you were taught yep. it around that. It doesn't always have to be like calling in angels or something. It can be right. letting stuff go anytime there needs to be a change. And a ritual is just literally, it's almost so similar to meditation for me where Meaning that like meditation doesn't have to be with your eyes closed. Right. Like it, it's just when you stop and like you clear your mind to all those thoughts and focus intently on one thing, a ritual is kind of doing that. You're just like intently putting like your energy into or out of something. 
it's sort of like a meditation that happens outside of you, like has a physical manifest, like a physical form. Yes. I Sort of if I was looking at it, I would probably meditate on something and then do a ritual on it. Right. Right. You know what I mean, I feel like meditation is more taking stuff in and the ritual is more shifting of the energy in some way. Right. I do full moon and new moon rituals also. Mm-hmm. They are not super exciting. Sometimes they are bigger and sometimes I like just happen to remember and I'm like, oh yeah. And it can be anything. I like to burn an intention on a new moon. I feel very drawn to new moon rituals. I just really, really like that. And then in a full moon, I a lot of times my ritual is just to think about what I want to release. And it's just like literally sitting and thinking. It's not always even a separate moment. I did it while I was watching Netflix last night. Right, exactly. Sometimes it's me sitting surrounded by candles. <laughs> like it, it really just depends. Sometimes I'll pull a certain card or I'll call in a certain angel energy or ancestral energy that I think would help me with the shift or give me some clarity. But it does not have to be this like movie magic Instagram worthy moment. It can be if that's your gym, but like it doesn't have to be. It can be any moment that you're just like consciously shifting. Right. Or if you're just beginning the work of doing stuff like this, it's helpful to have a ritual so that it feels like you have guidance and you're seeing a process through like something, a process that you're maybe not comfortable with yet of doing it. A ritual is a great way to guide you through this as you're learning about it. And then I bet that like, as the time goes on, you'll feel like you need the actual ritual less and less because you already know how to do what you're looking to do. Exactly. And that's what's so amazing about a ritual is that anything that's repetitive about a ritual that you do will automatically start shifting your state. Right. And, and then it makes it easier to bring that to you or to let go of whatever you're looking to do. It makes it easier because it becomes like a part of your default setting. Exactly. So let's say you light a red candle every time you do a ritual, or maybe you do a red one every time you want to release something and a blue one every time you want to call something in. Right. When you start a ritual and you have the candle and you pull it out and look at it, you have started to shift your energy. Yes. And furthermore, after the ritual, if you clock that color anywhere and think about it for a second, you amplify the the whole ritual again. Even I would go so far as to say that even if you're going and buying the candle and you're like, oh, this black candle represents like protection and transformation. Just you choosing that has already begun whatever work you're intending to do. Exactly. Exactly. My oldest son does a ritual every morning where he picks what crystals he feels drawn to for the day and puts them in his backpack. He usually does three. Love that. That's a ritual because he's choosing which crystals to call in energy. And he's not thinking about it much. He's not spending time doing it. He's lighting no candles. Right. But he's doing a ritual. Exactly. So it can be anything and done in any way. But when you are looking to shift energy and to use something like your energetic state to do it, Mm -hmm. that's what a ritual is. Yep. I think my most favorite ritual to do is to sit quietly for a moment and just go, what do I need to know that I'm not paying attention to? 
Mm, yep. And I bring that up because some people think a ritual has to be this like really big spiritual moment. <laughs> yes. It doesn't. Right. It can literally just be like, I need to listen to myself for a moment. Absolutely. Yeah. So create a ritual however you want, whether it's like Instagram worthy or not, or sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. It None of that stuff matters. You do not need to have read five books. You do not need to have taken a course. You literally have this in your DNA. It's very natural for people to do rituals. It is. It is if, natural. If you get up in the morning and do the same three things when you first get up, spoiler alert, you're doing a ritual. Right, exactly. And because it brings... A- a frequency or an energy or a vibe, whatever you want to call it to your morning. That's why you're doing that. Mm-hmm. If you have a bedtime routine, because it helps you go to sleep faster, or you've heard someone recommend that to you, they're encouraging you to do a ritual so that you put your energy into the state of going to sleep and you have outside triggers to help you do that more easily. That's what they're doing. Exactly. And so, just be, be careful about what you see on Instagram because you know, it, It is nice to have, you know, the quote unquote right color candle or to have a nice, you know, to have an altar or to do whatever, you know, it is that you feel compelled to do. But if you start like obsessing about having the right thing or the, or not having the wrong thing, you're, you've already gone off track, right? You're already now operating an ego. So you have to, you have to, so yeah, like if you want it to look nice, do it. Sometimes that is enough, like. If I, when I set up an altar, I'm like fired up because I like doing that. Like the creative aspect of setting up an altar feels really good to me. So I'm already sort of shifting into a higher frequency when I'm doing it, but I'm not like, I'm not calling in the corners and like, you know, like, like meditating out loud to myself with this, like I'm not chanting or whatevering, you know, it's just that I'm already shifting my focus and I'm raising my frequency. Yes. If, if being creative and setting up the space to do your ritual in puts you in the right state to receive or release, then it is exactly what you should be doing for a ritual. It's but if when, you're worrying about it. Right. Then you're bringing shame in. And as soon as shame shows up to the party, ego's in control here and you're right. not going to get so that you're doing something wrong. It's just that you're not going to get the experience you're looking for when shame knocks at the door. So if you're shaming yourself for your ritual, not being good enough or being too much or not doing it exactly right, or, Oh, but I picked the black candle for release. And I just read somewhere that it's actually for this, but I've been doing it. Oh no, you you've lost it because those things are just meant to amplify. They're not like hard and fast rules. Right. And so just, and you don't just scrap it and give up and walk away. Just, literally take a breath, ground yourself and move back into it where like into where you want to be feeling, what you want to be doing, what, like how you want to feel in your body. Mm -hmm. And then you can move on. Exactly. I'm going to make a confession right now about, about crystal energy. Okay. We have a whole episode on crystals. If you guys want to check it out, it's a really good one, but I'm going to say this right now. If you feel shame, if like you use a crystal for something and then you look it up and it's not the right usage. Oh, that is, I have a moment of that every time I pick up a crystal because whatever crystals are supposed, quote unquote, supposed to do energetically for you, 
something happens and in my energy field, it does the opposite. Oh, that's interesting. Now, this isn't a hard and fast rule. It's not like if I pick up amethyst, I'm suddenly unprotected or something. But (laughs) like I'll pick up amethyst and it will sort of calm me instead of heighten me, right? Like it isn't because there's something wrong with me. It's because that's how that crystal reacts in my energy field. So if I pick that up and it works for me in the way that I need it, then it works and it doesn't matter. Exactly. It doesn't, nor is it anyone's business. So if you picked a black candle and it's your candle to release and you read on the thing that it's actually better used for something else, if it works for you, then it works. Don't worry about that. Those are suggestions. Yeah. Or you might have a certain tie to a certain color. So like that, that connection to that color, that, you know, vibrational connection is going to override anything that you read about on a website. Exactly. So the shame really does need to get checked at the door because it's no, it's not serving you, nor do you need to be so worried about that stuff. Well, I feel like people quit before they begin because they feel like I can't do this right. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do it right. So they don't even bother. Right. The rules you should pay attention to are, am I culturally appropriating anything? Let me check into that. The rest of the rules are non-existent. Yeah. Or the only, and the only other one beyond that is how does this make me feel? Oh yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Like, does this make me feel like empowered? Does this make me feel connected to my own intuition, to the universe, to whatever you see as a higher power or whatever, then cool. But if if it does not make you feel that way, then you need to readjust. Perfectly said. Okay. I think we should explain how to conduct a women's circle. I think we should take a quick break first. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. We'll be right back after this short break. So it's season three of the podcast, and there were a few things that are a little bit different. Yep. We're all growing. We're all changing. So I cut my hair. Looks incredible. Thank you. Jamie, you now have curly hair. I'm doing the curly girl method, and I love it. It looks incredible. But something else has changed that we we really need to talk about. I'm, I'm really surprised it's not on the news, to be honest. It's sort of earth shattering for any of our listeners. This might come as a shock to you. (laughs) Tell them what it is, Jay. Well, you all know from our previous ads for Restoration Coffee that I was a loyal drinker of a large, hot Rachel with oat milk latte, right? That was my go-to. But listen, times are changing. We're all up-leveling here. We're all moving into 5D. We have different hairstyles, and it turns out (laughs) that my now preferred drink of choice is a large iced page latte. So however you're evolving in your life and moving on, you need great coffee. So go ahead to Restoration Coffee if you're local. If not, go order some beans, and it'll help in the process. Don't you think, Jay? Yep. Love it. Love Resto. Visit restoration-coffee.com. Let's talk about what we're obsessed with this week. All right, Heather, this week we are obsessed. I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say it and we'll see where it goes. I'm excited because Jamie didn't tell me what this is yet. Taylor Swift. 
<laughs> I'm obsessed with Taylor Swift. Well, I am obsessed with Taylor Swift also. So this oh. makes sense. I knew whatever you were going to bring up was something we were obsessed with, but I, I didn't know which thing. And I was not expecting that one. So this is great. And I think it goes beyond just like, oh, musical stuff. Like I think Taylor Swift represents so much in our society that I, I and I, and I really dragged my feet on this Taylor Swift thing. Like <laughs> I didn't want to be a fan. I felt like I was way too old to be a fan you of her. A lot. I know. I frequently drag you into things like this, but you, you have embraced the Taylor fan. Don't I mean, I've been a solid fan of hers for years at this rate, but you know, years ago people were loving Taylor Swift and I was like, Oh yeah, I like these songs, but like, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I love her. Once she started to get angry, I started to connect with her more. Yes. And like, <laughs> it's so good. I mean, there's so many undertones of, you know, there's so much, so many layers to her story that just like the whole scooter bronze through you, I'm going to re-record all my albums and like outsell all my previous sales. Like it's magic. It's pure magic. It's such awesome divine feminine energy in my opinion. It really is just like, I will not let you write my story and to everybody, whether it's the media or whoever she is just saying, I create the scripts, you know, nobody does that better than her. No. And her fans are so loyal that now radio stations, at least around here, they'll only play Taylor's version because fans are so adamant about like not funding Scooter Braun and the patriarchy. Like it's, it's incredible. Hmm. I have somehow gotten onto the, I've always been on like the Taylor Swift fan TikTok area. Mm. No, I have to bring TikTok into this. Yes. Yes. But now I'm on it where they're doing like all the detective work of like, oh, Jake Gyllenhaal's wearing that scarf kind of stuff. And I'm a little bit lost. I'm like, I think I'm too old. I missed what this is. But I still like watch and like it because I love Taylor so much that I just want everyone to keep talking about her. Exactly. I I mean, she's so smart. I mean, she's, I mean, obviously she's a creative songwriting genius, but she is smart. Girlfriend is, is making some good moves out there. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure she's a fan of this podcast. Like I'm like 99% sure she listens. So I'm going to address you directly. (laughs) We adore the, the way that you show up for women and showing women how to stand up for themselves and the way that you do it. That's so authentic to you mm-hmm. and that you are such a fan of smashing the patriarchy. We love it. Yeah. And being vulnerable and honest and saying like, you know, that clip of her when she's like, why did I just apologize? Yeah. You know, like she's like, we're watching her in real time over the past years unlearn all of that patriarchal programming and she's doing it in front of this, the audience of the world. Yeah. Like she's such a vulnerable place to be. Exactly. She's not showing up being like, I've done all the work. I'm perfect. Be like me. Correct. Sort of like watch me work through it too and do it imperfectly. And that is to me the best sort of example you could set. Yes. Love. We stand Taylor Swift. We stand Taylor Swift. We stand smashing the patriarchy uh-huh. and I'm not really up on like looking for the Easter eggs and stuff. Cause I just 
didn't really know about it until recently, but I, it's really up my alley. Oh, it's right in your detective alley. Absolutely. You love that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So this segment is just that we're obsessed with Taylor Swift and all the women out there who are smashing the patriarchy. High fives. Yep. Go listen to the 10 minute version of all too well. You'll thank me later. <laughs> Let us know if you think Jake Gyllenhaal needs to give her back a scarf. <laughs> did I say it right? You did. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Let's talk about women's circles. Yes. Okay. First of all, I think that the name might be slightly antiquated. Yes. I don't think it's meant to be, um, excluding anybody. It does though. It does. I will tell you that it comes from the fact that women used to gather in circles while they were bleeding and they would all bleed around a similar time because they were in close proximity to each other. Correct. If you like this topic, look up red tents. Please do. Even if you don't like this topic. Exactly. <laughs> if you don't like it, you need to know about them. Yes. And so that's why it's called that. Right. So I just want to clarify that it should never be used to exclude people though. And so Jamie and I would sometimes call ours like a full moon circle or something because we would do them at the full moon. Right. Just be considerate of the fact that it, it's an old practice that was called a woman's circle, but like maybe we could update the vernacular a little bit. Right. I mean, there's something to be said that especially in this society that women might not feel comfortable being vulnerable or talking about their issues in front of men, right? Mm-hmm. Some women might not, but you can't, you can't exclude you know, people, you know, that are non-binary or transgender or of any gender. Um, So, you know, I I think if we were to ever have them in real life again, we would find a way to reword it. Agreed. I'm going to probably refer to them as a woman's circle here. Mm -hmm. And you're going to see it in the title so that people can find this podcast and know how to do this. But yes. it's not because we are ignorant or unwilling to change or acknowledge the fact that that term could probably be updated. Yeah. I mean, I just call them circles now, um, yeah. but that might be ambiguous to a lot of people. Exactly. And an- another element of this is that anytime women made any changes or overthrew anything was because they were gathering in a circle and women were smart enough to either say they were getting together to bleed to sew was a, a very famous thing that people would say they were going to a sewing circle when yep. they were going to like feminist meetings and things. So there's all kinds of things. There's even like really cool stuff about back in the day in brothels, women would get their freedom, but because the men were not smart enough not to let them convene together and they would work together to, to escape or to open exactly. things. So that's the energy that we're bringing. Right. Okay. And that's the origin of the name. Yes. Okay. So the reason for these is where I think would be the best place to start because when you're doing one, if you're going to conduct one, whether it's to the public or just with some friends or whatever, being clear on why you're gathering and the intention of it is really, really key. Yes. For Jamie and I, our, we don't expect you to do everything the way we do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
we're more giving you this as a base of like what was very successful for us so that you can go off of it and, and do it in a way that feels good for you. Yeah. Always tweak things to how they feel for you. Exactly. So when Jamie and I would do it, our intention was to give women a space to stop for a second and to allow themselves to express their feelings, to talk about what was going on in their lives. We would always bring in like an educational element of some sort of historic thing for women or for the current full moon to help them reconnect with that energy of being cyclical and nature. And it was always to help when you said that stuff or when you were there, even if you chose not to speak, to feel like I'm not alone in this and other people are going through similar things or feel the way that I do too. Agreed. Because women need that. Right. And I think the cyclical part that you just said is actually really important. I think women forget that they're cyclical or they're taught to hate their cycles if they have one um, and, or whoever has a cycle, you know, I think that we're taught to be ashamed of it or put inconvenienced by it. Um, Or that you shouldn't be so affected by it. Right. Right. But the second that you realize that you too are cyclical, being it's really powerful. So powerful. I, I don't think that we could oversell it. <laughs> no, I, no, really. I don't think so. So doing something like having a space that you could go to every full moon and that you could attend and you could have this experience at, even if you didn't go to, to every single one, but you knew that was available to you mm. is the thing that we were trying to create for women. Right that you could have this experience and you could feel connected as human beings. We need this. And as women, we're completely robbed of it. Agreed. Yeah. It's not allowed. So it's this taking back of that. And there is something really magical that happens. And I, I'm sort of jumping ahead a little bit, but I just want to mention this here. There's something really magical that happens during a circle. And it's especially when you see people who it's like their first time there, right? Jay. Right. Yep. Where they're hearing other people talk and you, you visibly see them become affected and like start healing. Like Absolutely. you, you like watching it in front of your face. Cause they realize that other people are going through what they are and that they're holding themselves to a standard and, and this imaginary thing that everyone else is doing better than them. And it is why we do it. Right. Agreed. Those were, it was especially the people who would go as the friend of someone, <laughs> you know, like someone wouldn't, they'd feel nervous going alone or they, it was their first time. So they bring a friend and you could tell that the friend was always like, I'm just here for moral support. (laughs) And then 10 minutes in and you see them like having these sort of moments that are running across their face, like these epiphanies. Yes. Jamie and I would always give each other a little look like it's happening. Did you catch it? Yeah. Exactly. One of my favorite parts of doing it. Right. So that is the intention for, for Jamie and I. And then usually for each one, we would set like a, a more specific intention that had to do with the time of year and the full moon and where we were. Right. Because we've lost all of that. Yes. Right? So we don't, we don't know what these things mean anymore. So there would be a component like this is the full moon. This is why it's called this moon. This is the sign that it's in. This is what that sign means. So this is how it might be showing up in your life. Mm -hmm. Just that, just being like, Oh, we we had a full moon in Taurus last night or tonight, whenever we're doing it. Right. 
Right. This is what that energy is. Just watching people see, oh, yeah, that happened. Oh, ooh, ooh. Right. It's really cool. Yeah, and it won't surprise you if you listen to this podcast that that was Heather's part. That Heather did the, like, <laughs> Heather did the like informative, fact based. This is these are the points we're hitting right here, right? And the the visual like area of like the the center and the candles. That part was all done by Jamie. Also, probably not surprising to anyone. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so. Once you have like your intention and you align it with sort of like the time of year or the moon or however you're doing this, you are going to want to create a little bit of structure for your full moon circle. Yes. Now you don't want it to be too structured and you don't want it to be scripted. No. But you do want to have an idea of what you're doing because here's what's going to happen if you don't. Mm -hmm. It is going to be eight hours long. For real. (laughs) Yes. It will, because no one gets a chance to do this. Mm-mm. So now that they're given this platform where they can speak and ex- em- emote, sometimes that goes a little long. Yeah. And there, there's always one person yep. who doesn't catch on to the vibe of like, you've talked too long. Right. So creating a little bit of like, how long you expect each person to talk for or a little direction of what they're talking about mm-hmm. setting up ahead of time. Jamie and I w- would always give like a little speech where we would keep it light and a little bit jokey of like, you know, we're going to give you the hook or like give you a signal, oh, right. to wrap it up, you know? And so people would know that going in and this is coming from like, we only know this cause we didn't do it at first. And we were like, we're never getting out of here. <laughs> Right. Well, because like I said, people don't have the chance to let those feelings out. And so it's like, sometimes it's hard to turn that off when you've been repressing your emotions for so long. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's hard to turn that off. Exactly. So your prep work involves sort of knowing what's going on at the time of year. And again, if it's a full moon, what that is, talking a little bit about that energy and then what you're sort of bringing up for people. Because what happens when people enter a circle like this, especially if you're protecting the energy of it and doing all that, is that they sort of get there and completely give over the energy to you. You know, a lot of times people are uncomfortable at first or don't know what to do. You know, we would always sit in a circle, literally. Yep. And people would just kind of end up sitting in the circle and like looking at us. And it's it if you're the one leading it, it can feel intimidating at first. Yeah, at first, yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, this actually happened to Jamie where she was like literally on the spot pulled into leading a circle like this, this, we could easily do that now, but when you're first starting, that's helpful. And even if you're seasoned at it, having the structure is really important. Yeah. You should always have a structure of what you're saying and have a start time and an end time. Yep. Okay. So you're going to introduce this. We would always do like sort of the little lesson at first, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Then we would do a sort of going around the room and sharing element. And then we would do something, some sort of like ritual where you would release or do a meditation or focus on something. Jamie would oftentimes do energy work to help that. Um, I was usually focused on like keeping the circle safe, like too much energy from, you know, pulling in and distracting people. And, And that's what that experience would be like. Right. Now let's talk about the going around the room part. Okay. This, like Jamie said, is where women are starved for the ability to do this. Right. 
So you have to really, really be a leader here. Yes. You have to set the tone that this is a space where nothing leaves this room. Well, and I think that you and I always set up that we would, we would say, hi, how's everyone doing? And then we would always say like, these are our three rules or two rules. And one, Heather, Heather's favorite rule is that you never apologize for crying. Oh, yes. Right. Yeah. Heather always says, you can apologize if you step on my foot. (laughs) You can't apologize for crying. Or emoting or taking up space. Right. If we're taking up space, like we're not apologizing for that. Yes. Yes. And and one of those rules would be we don't repeat things. This is a safe space. Right. Because you have to create that feeling for people so that they can share. Right. Exactly. So we would we would talk about that and we would do things to protect that. Typically, mm-hmm. Jamie and I would bring something up, even just in the intro, to make people feel like we were willing to be vulnerable also. Right. And then we would start the circle and we would go around and a lot of times it would depend where people sat, but then we would also try to be strategic with who started the circle Mm -hmm. because that person's going to sort of set the tone for how that's going to go. Right. We would announce the amount of like time roughly we thought people could have to speak and we would encourage, this is one of my favorite things that we did and we didn't do it at first, but we started to do it. We would encourage people, if the woman next to you is having an emotional moment, reach over and grab her, hold on to her, get her a tissue, show her some support for a moment. Right. And we would give you a prompt, like for generally, like for whatever the full moon or the astrology was about, it wouldn't just be like this random rogue thing. Like everyone tell us your worst life experience and go around (laughs) and say that. Like that's way too unstructured but it would would, there would be a prompt like what are you looking to release or where do you feel like you're not showing up or where do you feel like you need more support in your life it would differ every week so that would guide people with what they were saying and then we would say like just take a couple minutes to talk about where you think you need to you'd like to show up more in your life exactly and one thing that we started doing after saying like, okay, tell us something that you're working on or struggling with or whatever, is that we would structure it so that you also had to say something you were succeeding at. Yes. You couldn't, it wasn't just complaining or venting. It was balancing that. Yes. Now that was very difficult for a lot of women and we pushed them to do it. Everyone had to say one. Yep. (laughs) We told them they were going to, and we did it very nicely and kindly and supportively. And we helped them do that. And Jamie and I would sort of walk the person through whatever they were bringing up. Yes. So it isn't just like saying what you were going through for the sake of it, which is fine too. But for example, if someone was saying they were struggling with releasing this hurt over a relationship that had ended, they would be talking about it. And Jamie and I would give them supportive points and helping them do that. Well, and Heather, where one of your like major expertises lies in reframing things for people. So we weren't sitting and, you know, letting people just have this like poor me moment. Like we wanted them to express themselves, to vent their emotions, but we didn't want them to sit and wallow in it. We wanted to help them then to reframe it. 
So Heather would then come in and, and, and reframe it in her very like magical way, like to help them see it in a different way. Don't make that face at me, Heather. Like you don't like, <laughs> you don't like me talking about your good qualities. That's not how we talk in full moon women's circle, Heather. <laughs> this That's a perfect example of what we would do, right? When you see a woman in that circle start to become uncomfortable because she's being supported, like I just was with Jamie. You guys can't see me, but I was definitely making a face at her. Then to say, "Uh uh-uh, no, no. Same with apologizing anything. Like, no, no, no. You get to be that. Because we don't do that. We're taught as women that you're supposed to, you know, be so modest and humble all the time, which is so annoying. So we call each other on it. Right. And, right. And so that's what you so that's what you did is you would go and help people sort of reframe so they didn't feel like the victim of whatever that situation was, or so they felt like there was something that they could do to move through it. Yes. And you would support that as well, Jamie, and you would also help me stop doing it. Yes, I would make like sort of appropriately timed jokes to shift the energy into like moving on. Right. <laughs> Exactly. Because I would be like, let's also dig into something that happened to you when you were seven. (laughs) (laughs) Once I get in that like Sherlock Holmes mode, I I, like locked in. And so Jamie would shift that. So also another reason why it's great to have two people kind of leading. Right. Yeah. And one, one of us would get trapped in a conversation where someone wouldn't stop. The other one would be supportive as well. Right. Right. You're gently prompting people through something and you're supporting them. And you're also creating an environment where the other people, other women in the circle are also saying things and prompting and relating. You know, no one's, no one's stealing the story like, oh, that happened to me. But they're saying like, oh, it sounds like this, or it sounds like you did a great job with this, or, you know, that being added in and hearing that from this group of women that you're sitting in a circle with is so powerful. I, I can't explain what it's like, but it, I can just tell you that it is so healing. Exactly. So with whatever the prompt was of like the thing that you're struggling with or working on and the thing that you're crushing, right. we would have women go around. We would frequently have to explain how wonderful bragging is and how this is a safe space to do that. And you're allowed to brag. I know so much resistance around that. Yeah. Usually when we told them that men bond through bragging and it gives them some examples, <laughs> they would get annoyed enough that they would be like, I'm bragging. No way. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So supporting that, having a time limit. Now, depending on the size of your circle would be how long you would let people talk for. Right. Okay. You do have to let everyone talk though. Yes, absolutely. You can't be selective. And I know that sounds like, oh, but if it's a really huge circle, then I would say break off into mini circles because the whole point is to give everybody space and not everyone's going to like raise their hand to talk. And in our experience, the people who showed up with no plans of saying anything are the ones that make say something that the whole group benefits from more than anyone else. Right, exactly. And not every single person that speaks is going to have this big sort of cathartic sobbing moment. That's, that's not every person. So it, it shouldn't be too long. There are going to be some people who normally it's me. I just say like, I'm of that type of person. If I wasn't hosting it, I would be the person who'd say, I'm struggling with this, but I think I'm okay with that. I mean, not everyone's taking 15 minutes. Exactly. We actually made ourselves have to share 
because we were noticing that we were completely copping out of that, which isn't the right example either, because that's what we do as women. And, you know, especially you and I, when you're the person that's the healer, sometimes you don't show up for your own healing. Well, that I did that actually with a, um, a group of women recently. I, I went and did a full moon circle with them and, I led them through it. They, they, none of them had ever done one before. And so I guided them through it. And then we got to the end and they were like, what about you? And I was like, shit, (laughs) I forgot forgot about myself. And like, and it wasn't me being like, you know, self-deprecating or like, oh no, don't worry about me. I just was so focused on the energy of that, of, at that table that I was like, oh, right. Yes. And then I, I jumped in and shared yeah, you were in facilitator mode, which is right. makes sense. But I, it's important I, to show up. I was just going to say, I really do think it changes the way people feel at it if you're also sharing. Yes, agreed. And I used to be like, oh, I'll just see what I say when I get there. In that, because typically that's a great way for me to roll, but not as a facilitator, it's not. So I used to be like, okay, no, I need to be prepared for what I'm going to say. Exactly. Just, just advice if you're leading. Right. Um, and then, so everyone would go around and share. I will say there were times where we would sort of prompt it to be more of an emotional share or more of a share about this specific life thing or more of like a physical, how your body feels share. Like we yeah. would do that. And what we were basing it on was what we were hearing people talk to us about in our life. Right. right. <laughs> Plus of course, you know, cyclical nature of, of the world and, you know, astrology and, and the moon and like all of that. But like it, if a bunch of people that week had been like asking us about a certain thing or bringing up a certain issue, the full moon circle would reflect that. Exactly. So pay attention in your life and also to what's going on with you. Yeah. Because again, women, even like physical stuff, women don't feel permission to talk about. So having a space for that is important. It's also important to be clear that you're not a therapist. You're not a doctor. Like don't be giving, I was never giving advice to people of what to do. I was simply helping them reshift the stories that they were telling about themselves, which is my expertise. So you don't need to go out in an area that you don't, you're not qualified to like find what you can do and do that. Absolutely. Yeah. So once that sort of would happen and we would go around, we would sort of close it and then we would do sort some sort of ritual. So Jamie, will you talk a little bit about um, one of our favorite ones to do where we would, I think it's called the four corners. Yeah. So the corners is, well, the corners we would use to protect the circle. And that's, mm. that's, it's a ritual, right? It's an opening ritual, but it's a protective ritual. And that's why I feel called to do it because my energy is, is very protective, in general, as someone who's a facilitator of a circle, you have to be in charge of that, not just verbally, but energetically, you have to be in charge of it. Yes. And and listen, it doesn't just mean that if you do a ritual at the beginning to call in the energy at the four corners that you're done. No. <laughs> that is yeah, just no. part of it. The rest of the time, you have to be on top of the energy because once one person says like a comment that's a little off or is maybe getting antsy because someone's still talking or uh, someone goes into a, like a really dark place or something. The whole, I don't care how many rituals you did to protect that room. 
if you don't, if you don't fix that and address it quickly, the energy of the whole place is going to go downhill really fast. Yeah. It's going to spiral. Yeah. And it happens so quickly. Yes, it does. And it can Um, be uncomfortable, but you have to speak up for it. So Good. Tell us a little bit about that opening ritual to protect. So calling in the corners, it can be different, but it's, it's usually a short ritual that um, pagans, Wiccans, witches, other practitioners use. Again, like we always say, you can have it be whatever you want. It doesn't have to be, unless it's, unless you're taking from a closed practice, which you shouldn't be doing, but Generally, what it is, is calling in the elements or the actual directions like north, south, east and west. Mm -hmm. You're calling in the spirits and the guides of those areas, those like planetary areas. You're calling them in to protect the circle. Right. So that was a written piece that I would have written. And I would sometimes I'd stand up, sometimes I'd stay seated, but I would just call in the corners. And that's that's also calling in the elements. So you call in air, water, fire, earth, spirit, you call those in so that um, the energy of the space is protected, but it also creates a formality like we talked about earlier with rituals, right? Like just the formality of doing something like that sets the tone and it, it sets the energy for how people are feeling in that space. Yeah. And it really does shift you from like so when people first come in, like we would, we would a lot of times have like wine and then like a red juice to represent wine. If that wasn't your jam and chocolates and things. And so people would just be kind of talking about their day. And so when you would then shift to doing like a ritual like that, it would help shift people more into the mindset of being here and doing like a little bit of serious work, you know, from that sort of like outside world thing that they were doing before. Yeah. You're just shifting the gears of the evening. Like you're going into like, you know, like, you know, we're going into circle mode right now and now we're being thoughtful and respectful. We're paying attention. We're not chit chatting or side chatting, you know, people very quickly honed right in on Heather and on me um, so that we could start when, when you do something like that. Exactly. So however you want to do that, that kind of ritual is incredibly helpful for that shift. Yeah. And you can, you can just Google calling the corners. I use one that I love by Kyle Gray. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I would tweak it usually for what we were talking about or sort of if there were things going on that I wanted to address, I would call in like little different elements. Exactly. So then we've gone around the circle. We would have everybody, we would encourage people to move. Now, I know this might sound strange, but out of the circle and just in your seat, because that was just some group work. And now you're going to do a little bit of individual work. Right. And this is this was the fun part, really. Yeah, because whatever just shifted energetically in people and whatever work just occurred in the circle is now going to be sort of like implemented. Right, exactly. And I, I do want to say that there would be so many times where somebody would share something and have like a moment in the circle and it would heal everyone in the room. Like right. it doesn't, not everybody has the big epiphany every time it's there's like two or three and those create an epiphany for everyone. Right. Cause you get to see someone else healing their stuff. So then it, it frees something in you. And I 100% guarantee you that you're going to relate to it. Agreed. So even if it's not your exact thing, there's an element you relate to 
or something you know about that helps trigger some kind of healing or shift in you. Exactly. So you get to this point, we would encourage people to lie down. We would have like mats and blankets and things. And we would just encourage people to be comfortable. Some people would sit up. Um, Very few people just stayed in their chair as it was, but some people would like move their chair somewhere. Right. And we would just give a few minutes for people to adjust and be comfortable. Mm -hmm. By this time, everyone's been so vulnerable that like laying down in a room or like going into a corner doesn't feel awkward. Exactly. You started this way. I think that would be hard. Yeah. I was just going to say, you don't start there. No. So what we would do then is again, related to whatever we were kind of prompting for people and incorporating whatever happened, like you have to be able to incorporate on the fly because if we had come in and it happened a few times where like, we were like releasing about, you know, X and in the circle, Y came up and caused this huge shift. You know, mm-hmm. if, we did, if we did the exercise just on X, that would be, we would right. have missed the point, right? So be able to quickly incorporate something else if it makes sense to do is important. Right. But we would typically have some sort of really loud music playing. And this was intentional because like the vibrations of it, we we're very choosy of what it was, um, would help people just like, shift and you know you're in a room full of people and sometimes loud music is just enough to like make you feel alone if you know what I mean yeah you don't want to be able to hear the person next to you breathing or sighing or crying or whatever exactly and that happens coughing people running up to use the bathroom because your body's releasing so sometimes you have to pee really bad it happens to me all the time uh coughing I know my throat chakra loves a coughing fit it sure does So whatever is happening is going to happen. So that loud music is enough of a a focus and it like really kind of like overcomes you, right? So that you can sort of change. And then Jamie or I, or both of us would usually be speaking through it and we would have some sort of exercise or guided meditation type thing that we would help people shift through and like really reflect on the work they just did in the circle. Right, exactly. People will sometimes cry during this. That's very normal. We've usually established that like you now don't have to like break out of your thing and go comfort someone if they're crying. Yeah. But this is now private. Um, we would sometimes go over as the facilitators and make sure people were okay. No one was ever losing it, but people were releasing some emotion for sure. Yeah. Or I would just stand there and just give them some Reiki over them if they were, you know, sort of silently crying with their eyes closed. I would just stand near them and give them some energy work. Exactly. Just a, just a show of support. And of like permission to feel your feelings. <laughs> right. Um, you know, people would cough, people would shift a lot, moving fine. Some people would be so still you couldn't tell if they were awake or not. They usually were. It's just people are gonna do what feels right for them. And you wanna establish going in that that's exactly right. Right. And that coughing, the fidgeting, those are all signs of release. So that's what you want. Yeah, exactly. Do it, get rid of it. That's completely fine. Yeah. So we would do that for typically about 10 minutes, I would say. And then we'd give people a few minutes to kind of like adjust back into their bodies at the end. Uh Um, And then we would return to the circle to just kind of wrap it up and end. It's really important to return to the circle because you don't want to send people out into the world in a slightly hypnosis meditation state. Right. So it's important to bring people back to the circle because you want to make sure that everyone is out of that like hypnotic meditative state 
And I know that might sound kind of silly, but there would literally be people that we would like stay and talk to a few extra minutes to make sure because it's such a powerful experience. Yeah. You're like, you're just sort of a little bit dazed and you're coming back to the earth, you know, metaphorically. <laughs> so you need to make sure that their energy is grounded, that they're sort of with it enough to go back to regular life. Yes, exactly. So as people were leaving, I'm going to tell you a mistake we made at first, and then I'm going to tell you what we started to do to shift it. Mm-hmm. Jamie's making a face because it's my mistake and the thing <laughs> I would do all the time <laughs> that she was constantly rescuing me from. We would then at, like dismiss the circle, close it down, right? And then people, we would sort of be there and be very available to like chat with you about your experience, Right. And this was fine at first when our circles had like three people in them. Yeah. I mean, we started off with five or six people. Yeah. And then we would have circles with 30 plus people in them. Yep. And what started happening was that people would not leave. They would just want to talk to us. There would be like lines formed around us to talk to us and like to continue the work that was happening in the circle or to just talk about life or whatever. Or get like free intuitive work from Heather. <laughs> so this would, or to like try to become Jamie's best friend because everyone thinks he's cool. This <laughs> would sort of happen. And it, again, it didn't start as a problem, but it became one. So our advice to you would be to not, even when you start with a small amount of people to not let that sort of occur. Right. And you don't have to have this like rock star moment where you just like are ushered, rushed off stage and rushed out the back door. You know, I would do, I would set the boundary by packing up the chairs and putting them away. That's what we would start to do. So once it ended, we would start cleaning up. Right. So you're signaling that this is over. Like you can still grab me and be like, Hey, like, I really love that part. Or, Hey, what do you think about this? but I'm still actively wrapping it up. Yes. And people would absolutely still come talk to us while we were doing it, but it, it, not in the same way. And like we would clean up as we were talking to people and there were still times where like we would be walking to the cars and people were following us still talking. True. That would happen, but we weren't stuck there for two more hours. Like no. we were just talking and I was okay with that, to be honest. I was okay with staying there for two more hours, to be honest. And then I would be like so tired the next day. It wasn't even funny. So I had to protect it for that reason. It's not like we were there, like being these divas who were mad no. who wanted to talk to us for free. Like certainly not. But you know, there's a, there's a real thing called an energetic hangover. Yes. And when you are facilitating something and you're expending so much energy to like protect a circle or to, you know, tap into someone's energy or to give advice or to do energy work, it, when you're doing that, you are draining yourself. It's like running a marathon, but with energy. So if you don't protect that, you're not going to want to ever do it again. Right. You prevent, you prevent the hangover by having boundaries. Exactly. So by doing it this way, it really, really helped. We also encouraged people to like contact us on social media or email or like if they wanted to, which they did. And that that's great. So just know going in that you're going to want to set some boundaries. And I think if anything, I would have started like the end part with an explanation of why we sort of usher everyone out the door 
not, it wouldn't be because we want to go home. Exactly. (laughs) It would be like an important part of this is now to like leave while you're in the state. Like we would have done something like that. And I think moving forward, we would to sort of not have that hang around and talk for so long moment. Yep, exactly. And then we would quite often have people messaging us after and like saying like things changed in their lives or things happened from it. That was very common. So like being, you know, setting what you'd like that communication to be, it's, it's really great as the facilitators to hear about that. Yeah. Or say like, Oh, I just noticed that thing that you talked about. I never noticed it before. And now I see it. Exactly. And then we would have at the next circle, most people would come back, which was awesome. And a lot of times they would bring somebody because it was a powerful experience. So we also got to the point where we had to have people signing up ahead of time. Mm. So we didn't have the problem of, you know, I think our biggest circle was almost 60 people one time. So making sure that you're, you know, protecting that however you need to as well. Right. Exactly. Charge for it. Mm -hmm. You should charge for it. I know a lot of people struggle with that in this world when you're a healer. Um, we'd charge a very minimal amount for it, but it's just enough for people to sort of respect it and to have a spot at it. Well, and because it's energy, if you're going to pay for something, you're going to then show up better for it. Exactly. Exactly. And it wasn't, we're not, it wasn't 50 bucks. It wasn't anything like that. No, no, it doesn't have to be a lot, but it does need to be a wow. little something. Yep. Yeah. And, um, then, you know, just create, create a place where, it's different enough each time that people want to come, but it's structured the same that it helps people immediately shift into the states you want them to. Exactly. Right. Anything else you'd say about, about these other than I really loved doing them. I felt like they healed me just as much as everybody else. Uh, Yeah, exactly. The only, no, the only other thing is what we started with is that like, you can make this whatever you want. This is how we did it, how it worked for us. But Mm -hmm you can shift that and tweak it and bend it around to fit whatever format you want. It's just about like maintaining boundaries and integrity and energetic safety, emotional safety. But I mean, you can do what you feel like your community needs. I love that. Exactly. That's, that's being intuitive. Absolutely. (laughs) And doing it the way that you know, you would lead it best. Exactly. So yes. And then, Knowing that when you go in, you do have a responsibility if you're leading it. Right. You do have a responsibility to set the tone and to keep everybody safe. And that could be shutting someone down who says something non-supportive or inappropriate. That could be telling someone they need to be done talking when they're in the middle of a very long speech. You know, it it could be a lot of things. And those are tough things to do. So you need to make sure that those are things you can do and that you have some tactics to do that, you know, kindly. Right. And it's, and it's not a performance where people should be adoring you as the facilitator, right? Like I think we see, I see people on social media, you know, who say that they're intuitive and they're hosting different things. And it's like, oh, is this about you or is it about the community? And for Heather and I, it was never about us. It was, you know, we shared what we shared to create a feeling of community and like connectedness but it's not a, a circle is not a performance. If, if you want an audience, there are other events to hold where people can, it can just be all about you. Yeah. And you know, it's literally the antithesis of a circle. Exactly. And I, I will say, if you do a good job at the circle, you don't need to make it about your talent. No. 
people will see it. People will be impressed with your ability to do whatever your thing is and whatever way that you can show up and do this for women. People will see that and like it. And the more you make it a performance, the more you detract from that. And the more you make it about your magical special abilities, the less you're, you're providing a, a safe space for women to be vulnerable and see that we're all on an equal playing field here and that no one's more special than anyone. Right. So it's about like really being in touch with your intuition, like really being in touch with how that can help everybody else. Exactly. It's, it really is about like walking the walk. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we would love it if you, if you do some circles, we know people doing them virtually too. If you do it virtually or in person, we would love for you to like tag us and tell us about how you do it or tag us in a picture, any of that, because I can't, I can't oversell how important and healing this practice is and how in your DNA and bones it is. And you will, if you've never been and you go to one, one that's done well, you will be shocked at how badly you needed it. Like that thing that you're like, I need something. I don't know what it is. It's that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So try it out and and give us some feedback. Yes, please. And if you do something different than we do, we'd love to hear that too. Yes, absolutely. We'll share it if it's a great idea. Definitely. Awesome. All right. Let's go conduct a teeny little women's circle, just you and I. (laughs) Perfect. Can I ask everyone listening to do us a favor? Can you please go wherever you're listening to this, whatever platform you listen to the IGG on, can you go on for us, please? And like, whatever it's asking you to do, like, like, follow, download, rate, write a review. We would love for you to do that for us. Hey, thanks for listening to our episode. For show notes and a place to send feedback, please visit our website, embodylove.me slash intuitivegirls. Again, that's embodylove.me slash intuitivegirls.